Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we have before us this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. And this text is, at least for me, uh, a good reminder, um, not only of the warning that God speaks to us in it, but also a good reminder of uh, the benefits of having a pericope uh, or a lectionary. That's a, a list of sermon texts for the whole year that you go through. When I looked at the text for this morning uh, on Monday, my thought was, well, I'd rather do Daniel in the lion's den again or pick another, pick another story from Daniel showing how God delivers his people. But God has an important warning for us in this text, one that we need to hear and to take to heart. Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no rooms to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pour down, pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store up all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. It would be a very bad doctor who said to you, you have a cough, stop coughing. You might reply to such a doctor, I know I have a cough. I want you to tell me what's causing the cough and give me a remedy for the underlying problem. Of course, any good doctor will talk to you about your symptoms, maybe even examine you to find more symptoms and maybe even run tests. And looking at all the symptoms will give you a diagnosis. Not uh, trying to fix the symptoms, but trying to fix the underlying problem. Luke from whose gospel we are reading this morning, was, you may remember, a physician. He would have been very familiar with this process of examining the symptoms and finding the underlying problem, the diagnosis. And Luke also often presents Jesus as the good physician. Certainly our text this morning, that's exactly what Jesus does. He talks to us about the symptoms, but then he brings forth the diagnosis at the very end. The problem is not that the man is rich or that he's building barns. The problem is that he is not rich towards God. Unfortunately, especially with this parable that's before us this morning and a few others in particular, a lot of people often only look at the symptoms and try and deal with the symptoms instead of understanding what God has to say about the underlying problem. They look at uh, this parable, for example, and they think that the problem is that the man is rich. 
For the problem is, the man is not using his money to give to the poor. That's the sin of this man, and that's the sin that Jesus is talking about. But God's word is quite clear. We don't have to use our imagination or try to figure out what the sin is of the man. Jesus tells us very pointedly at the end, the problem is he is not rich towards God. Is being rich sinful? God's word makes it very clear that that is not the case. In and of itself, having blessings, even earthly blessings, is not against God's word. It does not prove a sinful attitude. Remember, Job tells us the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes the Lord gives us much, sometimes he gives us little. To some people the Lord gives much, and to other people the Lord gives little. The Apostle Paul reminds us of his own attitude, that when the Lord gives him much, he is thankful and enjoys that. And when the Lord gives him little, he is content, knowing that the Lord will take care of him. Nevertheless, it is a very popular idea these days that there's something inherently sinful or evil about being rich, about having more than other people have. Then a lot of times you hear people talking about the divide between the rich and the poor getting bigger and bigger, as if it's obvious that this is sinful and evil. And they think that the government should take the wealth away from the rich and redistribute it among the poor. They even often present this as a Christian idea. You even hear me Christians thinking that that's what Jesus is all about. Well, God's word is clear that that's not what Christ is about. And in fact, that becomes very evident even in our text this morning. That's exactly the attitude of the man who comes to Jesus, isn't it? He comes to Jesus with that attitude that, well, my brother has more than me. Jesus, make him give me some of what he has. Make him divide the inheritance. Make it so that, we, that, so that it's fair and that it's equal. You have to change this, this divide between the one who has more and myself, the one who has less. Jesus rejects that role. He says to the man, who made me an arbitrator? Another good way to translate that Greek word is, who made me a divider? Who made me the one to divide up the earthly resources, the wealth of this world, and to make sure everything is fair and good in this world? No, says Jesus, that's not what I came to do. The sin of the rich man is not simply that he is rich. Others focus on other aspects of what he does, saying, well, the point of the parable is that he's building barns to store his excess instead of using it for the poor. Or some might point to the fact that he decides, I don't need to work anymore. No, he's being lazy, they might say. Or what he says about his new philosophy, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. He's spending his days partying. That's the problem. That's the sin. But again, God's word is quite clear. The sin of the man, the problem of the man, is not these things, but is the fact that he is not rich towards God. Those who are not rich towards God, God's word shows us very clearly, well, at the end of their life, will have nothing. One day, all of a sudden, just as happens to this man, everything they worked so hard for in this life will disappear, and they'll be standing before God's throne with nothing. More than that, they'll be standing before the wrath of God with no protection, no grace, no forgiveness. On the other hand, those who have the riches that are freely given through Christ Jesus our Lord, the forgiveness of sins, and the grace that he died to bring to us, 
those who have that grace of Christ Jesus, when, when they stand before God's throne, they will have God's riches. They will receive heaven through their Savior, Jesus Christ. Such people, even if they are rich in this world, even if they do spend their, their times in this world working hard to, to store up money, even if they do have greed and covetousness in their heart, they will still find on that day that all those riches that they worked so hard for are suddenly going to be gone and of no use. But at least they will have that grace of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Unlike earthly riches and treasures, the grace, the riches of Christ Jesus, lasts forever. And, unlike earthly riches, we don't have to work our whole life to attain them. They are freely given through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The problem then with this man is not that he was rich or that he worked hard or that he built barns. The problem was he did not have the free grace, the riches of Christ. And when he died, he had to stand before God's throne on his own merits, which of course never works. Nevertheless, Jesus does in our text warn us against covetousness and greed. He says that right at the beginning, beware of covetousness. This uh, reminds us of the words from James in James 1, 14 to 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. What James talks about there is exactly what happened to the rich man in the parable, isn't it? It's not just that he was greedy. It was not just that he was rich. It was that, that was all he cared about. He allowed that sin, that greed, to grow. He allowed that desire for earthly things to grow bigger and bigger until that was all that remained in his heart. Until it crowded out any concern for God and for his riches. This is also, of course, what Jesus was speaking to us about in the parable of the sower and the seed and the example of the weedy ground. You may remember that in that parable, the weeds grow in the ground and they choke out the faith that God planted in the heart. God warns us about this, about letting sin grow, any sin, any desire, grow to the point where it chokes out our faith. The man in our parable this morning does many things that we might think are good, many things that we might admire him for. He's a hard worker. He, he manages his estate well. He saves up for his retirement and for the future. These, all these things, in and of themselves, again, are not necessarily bad. The problem is, he allows those desires to crowd out his desire for Christ and his riches. The solution, then, is not to stop working. The solution is not to take a vow of poverty or to give away all our riches to the poor. The solution is Jesus. The solution is the forgiveness that he gives to us and the riches that he promises us. The solution Jesus himself tells us, beware of covetousness. Watch out for that sin of greed, as well as other sins in our life. Be on the lookout for it. 
so that when we find that in our own hearts, and like a weed, it grows each and every day almost, it renews itself and needs to be pulled out. When we see sins like that or other sins, we can repent and have Jesus pull them out. You know, when I was a, a little kid, my father would warn us every summer about uh, poison ivy. And he would describe what the plant looks like for to us, and often he would even show us a picture. One would think then that by now I would very, be very familiar with poison ivy and know what it looks like and be, e be able to spot it easily. And yet, every once in a while, almost every summer, I find myself looking up a picture on Google again just to make sure, just to remind myself. Because it is easy to confuse it with certain other plants. We might think that we know what the symptoms of greed are and the sins are in our own life. But Jesus reminds us of those symptoms here in our text so that we can be on the lookout for it. The man who comes to Jesus uh, might not seem like there's that much of a problem with him from our human earthly perspective. After all, he just wants what is, he thinks at least, is rightfully his. He just wants what is fair. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, he says to Jesus. Nevertheless, Jesus immediately recognizes the signs of covetousness, the signs of greed. When we start speaking like this man, when we start talking about what's right and what's fair, when we start thinking, why does that other person have more than me? When we start saying, I need, I want, I deserve, words like that, phrases like that, God's word warns us these are signs, these are symptoms of greed and covetousness in our own hearts. Jesus can deal with that sin. He died for that sin. He wants us to recognize them, to repent of them, so he can pull them out before they grow too large in our hearts. He wants us to stop thinking about what we need and instead, or what we think we need, and instead start rejoicing in what Christ has given to us, dying for us. Paul reminds us in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 6-7, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Jesus shows us more signs, more symptoms of greed in the, the parable of the, the rich man. Notice how many times the man in our parable says, I. I have done this. I have built, I will build barns. I will store up my crops. I will take my rest and take ease. Notice how many times he also says, my or mine. My barns, my crops, my soul, my life, my ease. When we start talking about I and mine, this again is another sign or symptom of that greed or that covetousness that Jesus is warning us against. Again, there's nothing wrong with working hard and having possessions. But the man in, our, in the parable before us is focused only on what is his. And is so focused on what is his that his goal is to keep it, to hold on to it. This is mine, and I have to keep it for me. That's a, another sign, another symptom that our heart is not right with God. It's not having riches that is the problem, but that desire to grasp and to hold on to them, to make sure, make sure and certain I have what is mine. Paul reminds us what our attitude should be. Instead of grasping on to the riches of this world, 
that we should instead grasp wholeheartedly unto the riches of Christ. Paul reminds us in Philippians 2 that we should have the same mind, the same attitude of Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not re regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Jesus did not say of his Godhead and of his heavenly riches, these are mine, and I have to make sure that I keep them, but willingly let go in order to come down and die for us. The attitude of this world will always be the attitude of the rich man. Let us, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The attitude of this world will be to grasp the things of this world because that's all they have. They have nothing else. And so they hold on tightly to what pleasures and riches they can find here. But we have riches that far exceed anything on this earth. We have the riches of Christ who died for us and the glory of his resurrection. Instead of grasping with both hands for the things of this world, let us be thankful and content with what God has given us and hold firmly unto Christ and his cross, knowing that he forgives even those sins of greed and covetousness which regularly crop up in our life. We are rich towards God through the saving work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is more than enough for each and every one of us. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.